Today's podcast has been brought to you by WeConnect Construction, a lead generation website for the construction industry. Check it out, www.weconnectconstruction.co.uk. It's decent. Welcome to my podcast. Today we have a special guest, Kiki. She is a GP. She's been practicing for seven years, um, doctor for 12 years. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two years ago, she got a puppy named Coco. She was naturally picking up lots of poop and decided she wanted to use compostable bags to reduce her plastic usage. When researching, she noticed there was very little plastic alternatives available that would decompose in our lifetime. And when they did, it was still leaving traces of plastic. So Kiki, together with a friend, noticed a gap in the market and like all entrepreneurs, went on to launch Fetch It Bags. Hello, Kiki. Welcome. Thanks. <laughs> so Kiki, what we'll do before we get into your questions is doing fire. It's what we do with everybody. So no thinking allowed, just straight answers. This or this, you've got to answer straight away. Okay. Okay, here we go. GP or compostable bags? Compostable bags. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Business or career? Business. Vaccine or anti-vax? Oh, vaccine definitely university or work experience work experience mask or no mask mask and work from home or work from office work from home very good you passed with flying colors well done Thanks. <laughs> so a couple of things kiki that i want to ask you about with regards to the quick fire then uh, obviously yeah. we're a practicing gp and with this global pandemic i'm guessing you've seen things that most of us will only hear about in the news um so you were saying vaccine i am obviously not you so know nothing about this but i wouldn't be up for having a vaccine because i'd be too worried it's not been tested properly am i stupid well no that's not stupid at all it Anything that it comes to use in the population has to be vigorously tested. So it's not something that they would just be, but I know they're doing human trials first, they're going straight, but it must be a stable formula or something. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a chemist, so I don't really know the ins and outs of it. But um, I think it would be pretty safe. They, I don't think the government would risk giving you a vaccine that they thought was dangerous to you. I mean, I'm guessing they would get in a serious amount of trouble in a few years' time if things start going fit uh, Yeah, I really, really think that they would not take that risk. It's like a huge risk. But would you have the vaccine? Yeah, I would, I think. I think in order for a vaccine to work, a lot, everyone, a, a significant amount of people have to have it to, for it to work. There's no point of like five people having it because it won't, it won't work. It, it, you need to develop a herd immunity. So... Yeah, and I think as part of my job as a GP, they, they would make me have it anyway. I wouldn't have a choice. Yeah, So, I mean, obviously, yeah, you are a GP. No, to me, that would be like the ultimate goal. Like, you've gone all this way through university, your A-levels, your whole life must have been driven, knowing that at the end of it, you want to be a GP. Did you always know, oh, I want to be a GP? Was this? Um, I think I kind of always knew I wanted to be a doctor from when I was about 12, 13. Um, you've done all of this hard work, you, you get right to the point of, right, you're a GP, a successful GP, now you're like, I'm going to make some dogs in there. I think it's just different, I think because, um, well, I finished my exams about seven years ago, yeah, um, and then I thought, oh, what am I going to do? So then I did another diploma, expanding my career to do into like sport and exercise medicine, because I'm like really into it, um, and then I thought, oh, what am I going to do now? Because it's it's not boring, but I think it's really tiring being a GP full time. So I thought I could like mix it up, and a lot of GPs do that actually. So most GPs that you speak to, well, not most, but a lot of them do have different things like outside of medicine or even with it. So like Team Sky, well, not Team Sky anymore, but um, the cycling team. They're you know they're GPs as well, but then they have like a special interest in like cyclists as well. And, like, the football doctors, a lot of them are GPs as well that then do an extra qualification. So they, they would still work in GP practice maybe two or three days a week, but they could still be like a football team's doctor as well. So 
everyone mixes up their career so that they're not just doing that because it's tiring when you're seeing like 30 patients a day and then all the other stuff that goes on top of it you're, you're having like like hundreds of patient contacts a week and your brain kind of gets a bit like foggy and you make mistakes that way as well so that's why a lot of people mix up their careers so it gives that part of the brain a bit of a rest so you would be working part-time as a gp and then before fetch it bags you was what what was your other thing that you was you doing anything in there no i was working full-time even up till now up to up to, up to the pandemic i was working full-time as a gp and then just doing fetch it like in the evenings and weekends um and the only reason why i reduced my hours during the pandemic is because a lot of the gp surgeries they they cancelled like some work and things because they said that it wasn't at this moment in time they wanted to keep like staff members smaller they didn't want like other gps coming in because like risk of infections and and things like that and they were changing the way they were working because i think now even if you call your gp you won't get an appointment you'll get like, a telephone appointment yeah. um, i don't know if you tried to ring them in the last couple of months um, so a lot of people a lot of gp practices have changed the way they work to reduce the risk of infection because we don't want hundreds of people walking through the doors every day um so and that's why they've changed telephone so a lot of surgeries can't because i was doing like two sort of my gp work is a bit split as well i have um a regular surgery because i'm a partner which is like where you where your gp partner is where you run a gp business as well and that's what i do but i only just started that so i'm really new to that and then on the and then i was only doing that three days a week and then the other days a week i was working in other practices to fill things like maternity locums or long-term sickness um so that's so that part of the job stopped but i continued working in my regular practice and then only during this pandemic and i was thinking that after things calmed down i might go back to doing that again but i'm not sure now because fetch has got dead busy so i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to, to do that Oh really? Well, that's amazing. Now, so you've done obviously you, you're a fully qualified GP and you've been practicing for years now, full time. Then, due to the pandemic, forced to go part time. So I guess you've got more time to be spending on fetch it bags as well. So now, where is this business at? Tell us a little bit more about your reasons behind number one being a GP and then thinking, you know what, I'm gonna start my own business in doctor's bags. I just thought being a GP is challenging all the time anyway, but I thought oh, let me I'm just gonna exercise my brain in a different way. And I just thought I'll just try it. I didn't think anything would actually come of it. I just thought I'll just try it. And I didn't even think it would I, I do know, I actually had no expectations from it. I just thought, I've got nothing to lose, let's do it. And I just and because it was like I didn't want to do it on my own because I was so scared and wrote my friend to do it, like to do it with me. Um and it's just turned out really well. It's just we've got um, quite a lot of like social media following now and we've got like our own little customer base and people like are hearing about us now so we get lots of emails saying oh we've heard really great things about you and the word is just slowly spreading so it's like slowly growing which is really really happy about that how long ago did you start work on this so i had the idea in september 2018 um, and I remember specifically because I was at my cousin's wedding and I was telling my other cousins about it and they just thought I was mad. They were like, what are you on about? And then um, then I thought uh, uh, pretty much that week, I wrote my friend to help me and then we started looking into companies that could produce what we wanted. And we started buying like every poo bag on the market so that we could like work out what, what kind of poo bag we wanted. So I was always like out with different poo bags every day trying to pick up my dog's poo thing. Oh, this is good. I like this and I like that. And then we finalized the design and then I think we made our first order in like January of 2019, so like three or four months later. And then they arrived in like May of last year, May 2019. And that's it. That's it. Since they've arrived, that we've just been selling. And then you had, have you just been selling on social media? Do you go into retailers? Do you have the website? Yeah, so we started it on the website, and but we also, we've had loads of, luck I suppose from other small businesses and um, so what some of the bigger players like Plastic Freedom and um, Beth who's really really lovely like what before we even got our bags we told her about them and she just she just said oh this is a great idea because her website is all based on plastic free alternatives and she she just she just took our bags and helped us like um spread the word if you like and then other local pet stores as well so we're in local pet stores zero waste stores so a lot of these like plastic free alternative stores and we're also on 
like some plastic, small plastic free business um, websites as well. And then obviously through our own website as well. And what, what is your own website? Um, it's fetchitbags.co.uk. Perfect. So people can pop on over there as well should they want to read more into it. And um, your story and and hopefully purchase some of them as well. Now, what would um, you say to yourself two years ago if you was looking to start this again? What advice would you give to yourself launching? Because I know how difficult it is launching a business and I knew a bit about the industry I was in. Yours is a complete brand new industry. You've developed a product and you're just not really a, a business person. You're a GP. So what advice could you give to yourself once again? I would say be patient. I think that I think that's a trait of myself though in not in everything I do, I just want to get it done now. And I want it's like I have an idea and I'm like, that's it, I want to do it and I want this now and I want a response now and everything. And I think just in general, as well as in my business and in life, I just need to be patient and just have and and I think it's okay not I think it it's okay not to succeed in some in some respects as well. I think having that uh, expectation that maybe it, you know it's okay if it doesn't work out because as long as you tried I think that's the most important thing like just just go for it so you know if you are thinking about doing something but you're not sure but obviously thoroughly research it first and then decide whether it's something that could potentially work and if you think it does work and you really believe in it just go for it I think that's the main thing that people should do really uh, I don't know I'm a bit of a risk taker as well so People that say to me, like, oh, Michaela, what advice can you give me? I want to start off. I'm like, just, just do it. Like, the best advice I can give you is to just start. If there is nothing holding you back, um, I've just been having this conversation with somebody else as well. You don't have to give up your job and start everything, a, a brand new life in a career or a new business tomorrow. Just do like what you did, work on it part time. And if you get home at five o'clock from six till 10 o'clock at night, work on your business and just go for it. There is nothing, if at that time you were just going to watch Netflix, then just don't watch Netflix and work on your business. You know, people say to me, I've not got the time and I'm like, well, you don't have kids. So what do you do after work? Well, I'll go to the gym and I'll do this and I'll do that. And after the gym, then you'll go home and you can't possibly be using all of your time doing something all the live long day. So in all of that free time, like yourself, I think that's the best advice. Just go for it. And the same, you've got to be patient. And I think what was nice that you said is that you launched this and you didn't expect anything from it. Um, I think with a lot of entrepreneurs or when you're into business, then you are expecting, I'm going to turn over a million in the first year. And perhaps what's helped you is that you didn't expect anything, therefore you wasn't really scared of failing. It might have taken that pressure off you that a lot of entrepreneurs would feel. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think... I I am in a really fortunate position though because obviously I'm not doing it because I need the money and you know to live and things. Whereas other people might need to be in that position where you know they don't have any other anything to back them up. Whereas me, obviously, I've got my career as a as a doctor that had that is a that was like my fail safe. That's my backup because if it didn't work out, I still have a job to go to. But at the same time, I think that even if I wasn't doing what I was doing now, I think I'd still have gone for it because I come from a family of business where my dad started from nothing um, and he made it into a successful business I mean he came to the country from Hong Kong in his teens and literally just worked worked and built a business from nothing so I've, I've seen that and I see how one person just by working hard and like kind of carrying on and not giving up can you can succeed from it yeah, that's amazing. that's amazing that you've had that influence in your life and that experience as well already because a lot of people, are, I was fortunate enough to know anybody in business, so I really didn't have a clue. Has your dad helped you out then on your journey through this? No, so unfortunately he passed away uh, quite suddenly four years ago. Uh, so, but my sister, she who was a pharmacist, she basically just took over the company without any business knowledge or anything because it was so sudden and because... Uh, it was something completely not expected. She just took that on herself. Like I, I don't know how she's doing it. Like I have huge admiration for her, and she just took over this company as a young woman with no experience at all, and like continued to do it. So I'm quite, I'm quite proud of her. So I think obviously, like something runs in the family. She's still winning that business now as well. Yeah, she still continues. So she's just, she just had a baby actually, like uh, four weeks ago, just just over four weeks ago. So she, 
she's on maternity now, obviously, but she's still working. Well, she's on maternity, but she's still working. Like, she's working from home, obviously. But um, yeah, so she runs the business now, and she she does all of that. And um, That's I think I know, my, I know it's amazing, isn't it? So if anything, it's like I my family have been really supportive and that's probably helped a lot as well to my mom and my sisters they've all always said you know do what you want really and we'll just we'll just support you so oh that's perfect that's great as well that you that you've got that those people within your within your inner circle as well to support you because again a lot of people don't have that oh you may not be surrounded with the right people where they'll doubt you or you know people sometimes think that you're not quite capable of doing things as well maybe it's a hint of jealousy and um, so when you're up against all of these things it seems you've got a good uh, support network at least uh, with experience within that as, you, as your sister been talking you through some bits so do you go to her for advice I sometimes do but it's a completely different industry so it's not like animal related or any food industry so it's completely not like related and some of the things I have asked her about like it's all more technical things like auditing and it's in a much bigger scale her business so I don't think it really applies to my small business <laughs> i think it's all kind of applicable it's um it definitely is when it comes to the mentality all of that is uh, across any industry i think you need like you say this attitude of, of go on to do it and the basic rules apply across all as well like what you were saying uh, when it comes to your your invoicing your accounting your marketing all these rules are the same throughout yeah they might be on a larger scale but the, the same rules apply. You need to market your company. You need to have an accountant. You know, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of stuff. Yeah, she's like, yeah, you need to get an accountant. Do everything with that one. Yes, no, I need that to take in the in the early days, and it went. <laughs> Do you think um, with you being a doctor and and everything that you've learned along the way at university and whatnot, has any of that helped you in business? Has there been any crossovers that you found bizarre? I think so. I, it, I definitely, because as a doctor, you get taught to like communicate with people, you get to talk to chat to people, and you get to know people. So as a GP, it's a huge privilege because obviously people come to you and they tell you all sorts of things, like whether it's medically related or not. And you get to know these people, and you get you do you get to know the whole families. Like you get to see the babies being born, and you look after them, and like you just you follow them, and so you understand people a lot as a, as a doctor. And you know sometimes even when people are nasty or mean you can think about why they are and you think oh maybe they you know what what's happened in their lives and when you're talking to other people in business in the same way when you're talking to people as a doctor you know their attitude and things like that you, you always got to remember that you know you don't know people's backstory and you don't know where they've come from and you should never never like judge anyone based on that and you should always give everyone like benefit of the doubt so as in our business, in our like two bag business, we decided that we didn't have like lots of terms and conditions or minimum order requirements or so that no, so everyone's inclusive. And I think that as being a, I think being a doctor kind of helps me in that way because it helps you see things that maybe you might not have seen before. Like, if, I don't know if I'm being like clear. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and I think, um, you're seeing it the individual more than you were seeing money as well. And maybe this does come with the fact that you were saying you didn't really have much to lose because you wasn't really expecting anything. And you you have this this career, you're not desperately trying to say, oh, you have to order 20,000 off me. You're saying, oh, this is our product, buy what you want, uh, which is a, a much nicer approach. And I think having I mean, that attitude as well in business will 100% serve you well. You'll be far more successful more successful because you do meet or i do anyway meet dickheads a lot on a frequent basis people who are just rude to me i, I mean i am in construction and maybe people are a bit more blunt and i am a woman in construction so therefore you take a little bit more shit and people are rude to me and instead of me thinking oh my god i'm gonna give up now i can't carry on because everybody's being rude i just think he's enough and then carry on with my day so i don't really go into it too much i don't get that offended by it i appreciate there might be some kind of backstory but i also don't wallow on that i just move on with my life i think mean, <laughs> the attitude that you need to have isn't it that's a really good attitude and i think that's why i kind of like this business part of it as well i don't have to deal with that as well so i can choose not to deal with that with as a doctor i have to deal with that like i have no matter what anyone says to me and like you know people are sometimes abusive and they're like threatening me sometimes and I can't you can never say anything you can't tell them to go away you physically have to be nice to them 
And me as a person, like, obviously you don't know me as a person, but me as a person and my friends that know me, they would, like, in a normal circumstance, if, they, if someone spoke to me like that on the street or something like that, I would not have that. I would not accept that. And I would just be like, jog on me, right? Whereas, and, and, and I guess in the food bag industry as well, in my business, I would I do the same. If anyone's rude or I feel like anyone is doing something that I don't agree with, I can just ignore them. I don't have to deal with them. Whereas, which is great because I can close the door and I don't have to see them again. Whereas as a doctor, you can never, ever do that. Which is, has its pros and cons, I suppose, but then it's a different kind of stress that you have working so that's why I like it it gives me different it gives me a different kind of way to deal with things yeah 100% I mean and that is some that is some mix though being a GP and then to be in a business in such a different business if you was like opening a paracetamol business you'd think all right yeah fair enough but it's because it's too bad you've seen well so it's not the first time i've spoken with kiki and you were so passionate about food bags i don't know if i would i would be able to find the passion about compostable food bags but that's again uh, an amazing quality for an entrepreneur to have it's um it's difficult to sell your product to sell yourself if you don't have that passion for it what what makes you so passionate about compostable food bags I think, well, in general, it's about reducing plastic in general. And I just, it's dead hard. Like, if you look at other parts of my life or your life or anyone's life and you want to reduce plastic, I, it, there, there are already loads of solutions out there, loads and loads. Like, you can bring your reusable bottles, you can, like, loads of stuff can go plastic free. And as a dog owner and a new dog owner, I found that there wasn't that option for me. So then I thought, well, that, this is it. This is the gap in the market that I've identified that I feel like, I need to do something about. Um, so, and is it clever marketing then? Because I have seen other bags that say that they're compostable, but are they not actually? Are, is yours a different compostable? Like, well, for people who don't know, what is the difference? Yeah. So this. The, okay. So when you buy poo bags, a lot of them just say biodegradable, which, and for right. me, this is what I, this is what I thought as well. So when I was buying poo bags, I was like, this is great, they're biodegradable. That means they disappear. Like, and the most people, most people think that biodegradable means it will, it will disappear at some point. But when I looked into it, I realized they were plastic. And then when you look into how plastic break down, it turns out they never ever break down. So if you watch programs like Blue Planet and you see all those like fish eating plastic, turtles eating plastic, they can float in the ocean for out for like years and years and years and they just break down into smaller and smaller particles into like microplastics. Um, which we can now find in our fish and when we're eating fish and drinking water it's all in there and we don't know what the long-term health effects of those were so for me i was like right okay i need to find what doesn't break down into microplastics then so our bag is compostable which means it's also biodegradable because it completely disappears so something that's compostable is biodegradable but something that's biodegradable isn't compostable it's a bit confusing sorry but yeah. our bags are made of cornstarch so um GM free, genetically modified free cornstarch. And they're basically, if you put them in the right conditions, they'll break down into natural biomass, which I think, I think it's like carbon dioxide and water, which are things that will disappear. And that means it won't affect animals and fish life and it won't go into our water sources. Um, and that's it, really, basically. But they have to be, I mean, I, you need to compost them because they rely on things like like bacteria in the in the compost. Um, for for it to break down, you can bury it in like I've done it myself in my garden, like in ten to fifteen centimeters of like soil in the back of your garden, and then it, after a couple of months they go away. Or you can put it in a in this country. I don't think we have those facilities yet, but that is the dream because like in Canada and America they have composting facilities for dogs, and you, so you know all the dog parts and like parts that you go to if you throw your poo bags in there, they compost it and they make it all into compost and use it to plant new trees and woodlands and things like that. So. And but a lot of our customers they compost their own poo bag, they compost their own dog poo, and that's why they use our bag so they can take it home and put it in their own composter. Yeah. If so, the reason the, how you can tell is that you can have a certification. So our bags are certified; they've got a certificate to say that this will decompose in this amount of time. And you'll see on our website they've got logos, and they're internationally recognised logos. Um, for Europe. And I think USA have their own separate ones, but it's the equivalent. So we've got like the European certification to say that our bags will, will like decompose within 12, I think it's 12 weeks or 16 weeks. Yeah. You know, like the government say all these, they, 
they like tell you about it now obviously it's really known like we need to stop using plastics and you hear about it everywhere and the government say they're trying to do things yeah why isn't something so simple like this just made like you have to do it just like you know when they started changing straws to paper ones which is terrible yeah but the, all of these, you know, these little things, why don't they just make people have to use compostable stuff instead of plastic ones? Well, if everything's, so some companies, like if you go to like Starbucks in America or whatever, or some other coffee companies, they have compostable cups now, and then they, their companies take it away and compost them. Our country doesn't have enough composters, so I think it will cost them a lot of money to, to, to do this, and that's why they don't make you do it, I guess, because it's money at the end of the day. But they will, I think, Europe, like uh, Germany, they just announced about five weeks ago that they were banning, banning all plastic by, I think it's next year, 2021 or 2022, some, sometime in the near future. And a lot of other European countries are the same. Like when you go to France, they have all their bags like compostable. But even but if you go co-op in Greater Manchester, they've got compostable bags now and Aldi as well. So people are changing their attitudes, but the government hasn't made it compulsory because I think it's cost as well that they just don't, they have to have the facilities to be able to compost it. If they're going to make everyone buy it and at the moment not all councils have it you have to teach people about it as well i wouldn't have a clue i don't know it's composting thing like i don't yeah i didn't even know there's a difference between biodegradable or do you know sometimes it's like reusable plastic is still a plastic is it just a gen just a normal person there's that much information and it's such clever sales techniques that are marketing with that you would never really understand the difference. Somebody has to actually educate you on it, who's a, a middle person and not not the person who's selling it as well. Do you know? Yeah, exactly. So there, there is loads that now there are more. There's loads more information out there now. So people like I mentioned before, Plastic Freedom, Beth, she's massive when it comes to stuff like this. And she reviews everything that she puts on her website and what it does, how to dispose of it and you know what what traces does it leave behind in everything like your plastic your sponges that you used to walk clean the dishes with they've all got plastic in them they're never going to degrade it's all stuff like this that you just don't know you just don't realize you, um, just so, you don't know what you don't know and as a consumer yet yeah, obviously you want to you will try and make an effort if you're a nice person to do what you can but it's still on top of daily life that is quite challenging like i'm sure you would in a GP and as you said along the way you have figured out more stuff about these food bags something that you, you wouldn't have known yourself so how can you possibly know about every product out there that you're being sold what is in what like if they, they should just make them do it and then there's never a fear as exactly like, I, I completely I think they should just ban it in a lot of things like there's no reason why we should have like when you go to the supermarket and you have cans and they're all wrapped in plastic as well I'm like why is this can wrapped in or your cucumber why is that wrapped in plastic yeah. when you go to the supermarket it, it completely baffles me so stuff like that easy things like that that the government like people can change supermarkets can change that needs to be done and we need to put more pressure on those like bigger people to to stop it and there's when you a lot of people are making that change now which is really really good and kids in school are being taught about it now as well so they come home and they talk to their parents and they say oh at school we learned this yeah and there are really devastating facts out there that you know things like there's going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish by 2050 which is like our lifetime and i just think about all those that time when i used to go to the aquarium as a school trip like with your mates and stuff and you think that's not going to be there anymore you're literally polluting me every time you use something that is potential that's plastic a single use plastic you that's what you're contributing towards so for me that's my main passion and behind my business to offer dog owners an eco-friendly alternative um, so that they can have a they can have a choice if you want to use plastic then that's fine but as long as you know that there is another choice that for me is, is enough yeah i think and that's it it's knowing that there's another choice um but understanding that there's another choice and not just thinking what you're doing is is actually the right the right option me just going by and biodegradable ones being being the best option because i do have a dog um and we don't we use biodegradable i use baby ones actually because i've got a baby as well so we use these baby nappy ones um but i'm guessing those won't be compostable ones i'm guessing they're just biodegradable ones yeah they're probably plastic they're probably plastic yeah 
stack in my fjords. Do they, do they, can we double them up though as nappy bags and dog food bags? <laughs> yeah, you can. They're, they're actually thicker than nappy bags and some of our customers use them as nappy bags as well. Oh, right. Yeah, good because um, you need a good thick one for my son's poops, to be fair. So, maybe poops are far worse than dog ones. So, wait till that comes around, by Kiki. <laughs> I look forward to that. Something else I wanted to ask you, which I missed from the beginning there, was um, obviously we are in the middle of a, of a pandemic. It's it's hell at times for a lot of people. What advice would you give to my listeners as a GP for those who are worried about just general life um, in the midst of this pandemic? A lot of people are worried. I have members of staff who will not come back to work. We need them back to work and, and they're having to work from home because they are just too, too paranoid. We've, we've implemented everything that we can within our company and our office to keep them safe, but they don't they don't want to be back in mixing with the public yet. What advice would you give to them, to them people who are concerned? I think if you're healthy and you've got no other underlying medical conditions, then it is, it, it, it is safe to be out if you follow the precautions. Like you need to wash your hands all the time and wear a mask. The, the mask is a funny thing, actually. I don't know, because that's only just been kind of implemented here in our sort of, in UK, but the rest of the world in Asia, they, they've been wearing masks a lot longer. Um, and so I think a lot of people have been resistant to it and they've been worried about how they feel with it on. Um, but it, it, it does help stop if you're infectious and you cough or sneeze and it's stopping those droplet transmission. So I think it is a good idea and I think that you should be wearing them if you um in public places or and I think that we shouldn't be mixing in large crowds as well. And I think following the government advice is, is the best thing that you can do really. If you have got something like an underlying medical condition, which does put you at increased risk, then you have to look at where you're going and decide whether that is safe for you so obviously i wouldn't make any i wouldn't like go to the pub with your friends if you've got an underlying medical condition and sit inside with them for hours because that's not safe because you're increasing your risk then but if you're going to a place um you know th there's a difference because there's, there's the high risk it depends on your risk really really but if you've got say if you've got well-controlled asthma you don't have any other medical conditions or something like that and um and you never have any exacerbations and you hardly ever use your inhaler and your workplace have implemented all these things, then it should be safe for you to go to work. But it's something that, again, you need to discuss with your employer. It, everyone's scenario is really diff is, is different. So it's really hard for me to generalise what you can do. So my partner has got asthma and um, he has to use the inhaler all the time, to be fair. It's quite bad. And he... Um, he has said that since he's been using his mask, number one, it's been miles worse, his asthma. He's like, he's run a bit, this is the same life. He said, but well, it's actually making him feel worse. And number two, he has not really been bothered about the pandemic. Not that he's not been bothered. Um, I mean, it's massively affected his business and our lives got put on hold for months. But I mean, he isn't, he isn't paranoid. He goes on the underground, he goes to work, he travels on trains. He's, he's just getting about his daily life as much as he can whilst then wearing his mask and washing his hands and doing the bits of things. But there are people who I think perhaps don't have asthma as bad as what Harrison would be and they're feeling really paranoid about it. And I wonder if that is, if all this an anxiousness is, is worth it? Is it, is, is, should they be feeling this anxious? Like, is it actually that much of a thing? They shouldn't be feeling that anxious. And if they are, they need to speak to their doctor because the mask shouldn't be making them feel anxious and it shouldn't be making your asthma worse. Um, cause you know, I've been wearing, we've been wearing masks like a, lo a long time. I used to live, live and work in Hong Kong and we, prior to all of this, we, they always wear masks all day when I was seeing patients. So I was used to wearing them all day. Um, and at first when you put it on, if you're not used to it, then yeah, it can feel like claustrophobic and it can make you feel like, it's worse your anxiety and there are a couple of people out there that are like that and if they are then that's fine but and you shouldn't force yourself to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable but at the same time if, if you can wear a mask and it doesn't make you feel unwell then i feel like you should wear a mask then yeah 
and you, and, so, and have you noticed or tweeted people whilst you've been a GP, you have noticed, because you know, there's a lot of people as well saying this is a huge conspiracy and like, I can't remember, I've, said, I've read lots of funny reasons why we might have a pandemic and then lots of where I think, hmm, actually that could be a legit conspiracy. Do you think this is a conspiracy or are you like, oh, for, no, this is a pandemic and you need to start yourself by it? No, I think it's definitely a pandemic. It's, I'm not like, I mean, that might be a bizarre question for a GP, but there's so much information out there, whether it's true or not. There's, you've just got access to so much information. Yes, that's so, the problem. Yeah. You are like, who is telling me the truth? And I would like to think I'm a balanced human, but there are times throughout this when I genuinely thought the government are trying to do us here and I don't know why but there's something more going on because there's just you're just being told so much stuff all the time yeah and it's so the government is a different thing to health altogether like obviously they have medical advisors and they give advice based on whatever their medical advisors tell them whether it's right or not or whether it makes sense or not is a completely different question because every country is doing something differently so if you look at what other people are doing and what we're doing and compare it then you can make your own judgments about whether we are doing good or bad or better or whatever or if we're doing the right thing um but from a medical point of view it is very real and at the height of it it was really scary i think especially like i don't work in the hospital anymore but my my husband does um and i have lots of close friends that do and i have a couple of friends that are, that are anesthetists that worked in the intensive care unit and every day they were intubating people that were young fit and healthy that could not breathe and Intubating is where you put a tube down someone's throat into their to like their their breathing pipe and helps them breathe because they could not breathe on on their own because they were just basically this infection was taking over their body. So that is a really scary thing. And then you know your family not being able to visit, all these things, and you worry for your friends like that anxiety. Like I'm not an anxious person, but that anxiety about your friends getting it because your friend like I'm at that age like similar to you where all all my friends have young kids you know they've all got like they've all just had babies or they've all got like kids that are one or two and they're going to work every day and pretty much risking their lives they're wearing this horrible sort of space suit thing the ppe thing that you keep hearing on tv and they're there and they're they're, they're doing this for the general public they're risking they're literally risking their lives for them and for me that was like a real anxiety that you know is your friend going to get it is your partner going to get it is you know are they and you don't know who's going to die from it as well because there were a lot of doctors that died from it as well and there's some people have forgotten that as well that there were doctors that were treating patients that were helping people doing their job that died because of it so for me it's a very real thing yeah yeah that's um yeah i mean it, it was at the height of it as well when you were hearing it all the time i didn't i, I did stick to all the guidelines for months for as long as I could really until I could go back and open the office and for a while when I first went back to work as well um I was a bit nervous like just being just seeing people again it was it was just really weird because we'd all been locked in the house together me and my partner and my two children and we didn't do anything what well, like maybe once a fortnight we'd go shopping but even that we was really social distancing I wouldn't let anybody come near me and if they did I was like get back or I'd start <laughs> intentionally <laughs> I think get away from me and so I really stuck to it and then now it just feels like it's gone and then and obviously you know it's not because they're, they're putting you in second lockdowns and all this but it's just been back into this normal routine life for, for so long now for a couple of months that it feels like it's done with and when I speak to people now who are paranoid I'm like oh, it's, it's, I've not done with this yet but obviously, it, it, it's still definitely here. I mean, but then it's just not as bad as it was because I feel like we've got we've got better testing now. Because at the beginning, there wasn't enough tests, so there's no way of telling how much of it was about. Yeah. Whereas now, there's like we can test people really quickly. Um, I think the the scary thing is is that we just don't have any treatment for it right now. No proven treatment. So if you do get sick, we just don't know who's going to get worse and who's not going to who's going to get better. There's just no way of of telling who's going to get what. So I think that's the only scary part of it. And that's why the, these measures are still in place. Because do you still live in Greater Manchester in Bolton? Yeah, I'm in Bolton, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, obviously I live in Greater Manchester as well. So I'm part of this like second lockdown that you're in as well. So I think it's, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to deny that it's a massive inconvenience because it is, 
to like my social to my social life. But we just but as a as a as a GP as a member of like a professional body, I have to stick to those rules. Yeah. And I would I have always stuck to the rules anyway. But I'm just saying that I, I'm not denying that it's a, not a massive inconvenience for everyone because it is, and for businesses like as well for people that are trying to get their work back you know hairdressers obviously were one of the badly hit businesses some nail bars and lose lose business any type of business was affected basically and I, I feel genuinely feel for them which is why the government there is pressure on the government to reopen because the economy has to keep moving because otherwise we can't survive in like lockdown all the time just... this, this cannot continue and you yourself on Narne, um which was my next question and i wanted to get on with you like you obviously launched a company a couple of years ago, but how is really quite a new startup business? How are you navigating through the global pandemic? Like we've been established for ten years, so our client base is is firmly implemented, and we knew even though we shut down for months that our clients was going to come back. We knew our name was strong enough. We we have our regular customers. We knew we was going to get to the other side of this, and. Um, Three of the businesses that I have have been um, are going to get through it. They've all been affected you know, on different levels, some of them more extreme than the other. One of my companies, though, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to have to lose it. Um, and that was that was the newly, that, that was been established about two years. And um, it's, an, it's an absolute killer. It's what I've done for the last two years. Every, every piece of my effort, I worked through my pregnancy, I worked through labour, I worked to come back to work two weeks after having a C-section, I've done put everything into it and the only reason is because of this pandemic and although I have not given up on it yet, I'm going to do what I can, I'm pretty sure we're at that point of we, we might potentially lose it. So how have you found it as a new startup company with not years of experience in that particular industry working through a pandemic it's definitely changed because we were planning to go to like all these dog festivals and like animal shows and things like that to help bring our brand out there but obviously everything got cancelled so we had to think of ways to increase basically we had to up our social media like mentally to be more engaging and get people to know more about our brand and it's changed business has changed so much in the last few years that everything is done through social media people kind of take it as like god's word if whatever you see on social media it's like real now that's what people think yeah. so that's what we had to change in our business so prior to this prior to the pandemic we literally i never did the social media i did it like maybe once a week or something if i could be bothered but now i'm on it every day for at least a couple of hours after in, in like interacting with our customers and don't get me wrong i don't mind interacting but it's like a massive every day i have to think about what i'm going to put on my grid what am i gonna you know what what things can we offer like give a, so we've done a few things like giving away our products but luckily one good thing okay well, i don't know if it's a good thing but in the pandemic a lot of people have decided that they wanted to get a dog so i don't know if you noticed that the prices of puppies have skyrocketed and people are paying like two or three grand now for a puppy which was about 600 700 pounds before the pandemic um so if you google or go on any website that sells puppies they will tell you it starts from about two grand um and I, yeah i know it's crazy so people have been buying dogs left right and center in in this pandemic during lockdown because they've realized that they can be at home and they can train a puppy now um and that's helped our business which is bad in a way because people buying dogs that and i don't really know what they're going to do with them when they go back to work what good for my business yeah yeah that's it it's um pros and cons but as a business owner you, you only need to look at the pros really <laughs> yeah yes i knew I, I did see on the news that that was a thing more people was buying puppies and i do actually know a couple of people my brother actually bought a dog um during the middle of this because he was like oh well we've got time to to train the dog and i didn't advise him doing so because he's got zero patience and two kids um but they have ended up being able to train her and she, she's actually really good and part of the family now but yeah it's still some people are doing this as like uh not thinking it through perhaps yeah definitely and then we're going to go like their dog can come into work with us or do, his girlfriend doesn't work as much so they, they have kind of got something salty for afterwards as well a bit of a fun but a lot of people are going to go back to work and if you're working in cities traveling a lot working long hours no yeah exactly it's going to be difficult but uh, well there'll probably be loads more dogs in rescue centers and i don't 
I, I don't if I had time I'd probably get another dog. <laughs> yeah. I love dogs. I've got one that's called Craig, but I, I used to have another one and she died and it just it's just put me right off the heartbreak of um I know, even thinking about it now, you think, Oh god, this dog is not gonna outlive me. Yeah, no, it's yeah, well that's it. That's um something you need to pay yourself for when you're buying them as well. So Kiki, um my final Thing I want to I want to speak to you about is what you were just saying then you about your social media. So um, one of my businesses is a marketing agency and I'm constantly banging on about social media, the importance of it, the power of it, um, and obviously marketing. I don't think enough people when they launch a business or they start a company they don't build into their business plan a marketing a marketing plan or a marketing strategy and um, because they think oh I'll sell to this person I'll sell to that person and they're going to do it personally but that isn't scalable you need a, a marketing plan so that you can scale it because you can't just always have one-on-one -on -one interaction or telesales so um I liked what you were saying then that during the pandemic yours has changed from these events to um, the social media have you found that that is um being more successful for you working on your social media now we like um as well so a bit of information for you we would schedule our posts we do this for our clients so at the start of the month we spend a couple of days and we say right we're going to have three posts on twitter two posts on instagram this 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 plan it all out plan the actual post and use the platform to schedule them and then when people are commenting we reply back but we have a full like marketing strategy in place just around social media do you think do you not wonder anything like that? And number two, how much is social media, how much of an impact has it had on your, your turnover? Um, I haven't worked out the numbers on the turnover yet, but it definitely has increased compared to like a couple of three months, like if you could compare the last three months with the three months prior to that, it definitely has increased. Um, I want to say double, but I'm not really sure. Like I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but um, Alex does that, like the, my other business partner, he, he does all the numbers and stuff because I'm like, oh, I don't want, I can't be bothered with all that because I'm already doing all the social media. So social media wise, like I did not realize that how complicated it is. Like literally I had to, I worked out like obviously there's like all that insight stuff as well. You know, what time of day you post, when you get the most interaction. So I had to work all that out on my own. And then I do, I plan the posts every night before I post them. And then obviously I email or message DM a, a lot of our followers that I know have bought our bags and ask them to like, if they want to feature on our feed and they love that customers love featuring on our feed and they love their dog being on our feed. So, um, and we tag them in it as well. And then that generates a lot of interest. And obviously we get loads of other dogs that are involved. I've got huge following. So some of them got like 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 followers. They like to get involved as well. So we get them on it as well. So, I mean, that's our main way of way that's my only way that I've been doing the social media in the last couple of months. And eventually when we have more money, we definitely want to get like marketing into it. Because we looked into it before, but it's like massively expensive. So that's why we decided to do it ourselves for now. But well, you know what the thing is, it can be, it's as expensive as you want to make it and you've done exactly the right thing. There's no point in investing in your marketing before you've got the foundations there. So you're already starting to build a social media following and building a history on your social media. Because what you don't want to do is then go on and pay for a pay-per-clicks campaign, pay to create the content because you need a good content made or else it'll just fall on its ass and then actually pay to, to run the campaign. And then when people come onto your page, you've just got one little content thing you need that history which is what you're building now so you're doing the right thing speaking to influencers getting as much out there for free as possible and then from there going on to building your strategy and what that's going to look like but it shouldn't be something that is costing you a ridiculous amount of money it will cost you money but it should yeah then what you need to do is make sure that you are using the right companies when it comes to it you, you just need to like anything with an accountant or with any profession with it that you would outsource with your business you just need to make sure that it's the right company because it shouldn't cost you that much money to market it okay that's really good advice because the thing is as well because i don't know anyone else in business other than my sister obviously but they don't rely on marketing because they've got like a good customer base it's like a company that's 30 years old more than that 40 probably and then so and their industry is completely different obviously we have no experience with anyone that's use any marketing companies and when you look at their websites they all look pretty simple like everyone seems to do the same thing everyone seems to be able to promise certain things but then obviously you have to pay this money up front and you think oh god am i gonna like what if nothing comes out of this because yeah. you hear some horror stories where people pay this money and then like 
so my friend who's a makeup artist she's got thirty thousand followers she paid someone to do her instagram and now she now it's just not it, i don't she herself feels that like it's just not what it's supposed to do she's not getting interaction she's just not getting what she used to get out of it so for me that scared that scared me so much i was like oh my god no, the thing is, it's not knowing as well, and and it does it does take a lot of research, and you want to look at things like uh, the, the recommendations, ask for recommendations and testimonials of companies, just just like you would do with anything. But a lot of people, and a lot of people have some knowledge on marketing, and then go on to say they are marketing gurus. Um, I did a post on my LinkedIn the other day about how there's so many disruptors now within my industry, yet I haven't seen any disruption within marketing. I would never say that I'm disrupting something because I'm not. I'm just doing a really good job at being a marketing person. <laughs> and I'm not coming in with like some new genius idea at all. I'm just coming in doing a, a very good job. It's like you saying you're being a disruptive GP. You're not. You're just being a very good GP, so don't talk a lot of shit. And those are the people who I think you wanna you wanna be swerving these um the, I can't think of the other terms, what they use, like, oh, hustlers are, do you know these ridiculous, these these just silly terms, they're just silly, childish terms that they're, they're trying to make themselves stand out. I think you just need to go for an agency that's got solid foundations and, and proven track records, as with anything when it comes to business. Yeah. You want to see the experience and, and the proven improving history of it, testimonials or, or recommendations or whatever. And and just have a good chat with them. What are they actually going to offer? What what can they guarantee? If they can guarantee something, what is that guarantee going to be? And what if they fail on that guarantee? Are they then going to say, we'll give you an extra month free if we don't follow through with this? You know, making sure that you're getting the most out of it. Yeah. It be a partnership, not you just giving somebody money. It should be a partnership where you're going to be working together and they should be seeing the bigger picture. Cheap now, what we would do is cheap for new style companies, and in 12 months time, you're gonna be paying us more money because you'll have more money. We will have got the yeah. investment. And that's the kind of thing that you wanna be looking for when um, you're looking for somebody to do marketing. I'll do your marketing anyway. I'll just tell you everything you need, but now you can do it yourself. <laughs> Don't worry about that. I, when we're not on earth or else, I'll have no business life, but I'll tell you what you need for doing. It'll make it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, right, Tiki, well, I think that's it. Is there anything you want to add to the podcast? Anything we've missed out? No, that's, it's been really good. Thank you, Michaela. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Please remember to visit www.michaela-wayne.co.uk. Subscribe to the podcast, leave your feedback, and don't troll.